ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the show, where they talk talkies. It's Talkin' Talkies, with your hosts, Dan and Chris. That kind of sounds like the Muppet theme now. Is that what we're going for? Uh, it started out as Price is Right, and then turned into something else, and then turned into, <laughs> yeah. I think... That's uh, where I think he yeah. went. Which is funny because he wouldn't even know what the Muppets are. He would be like, "What's a Muppet?" And then you'd be like, "Well, it's not a mop. It's, it's not, not quite a mop. A it's not quite a puppet." But let me tell you. <laughs> so to answer your question, I have no idea. Anyway, um, welcome to Talking Talkies. That right there is Dan Peck. Yep. And I am Chris O'Mealy, and we're going to talk about. Scary spookiness. It's Halloweeny spooky times, and I say it different every time because I can't remember. And it's also a gimmick. It's it's the gimmickiest gimmick of all the gimmicks. Halloweeny spooky times. Because remember that that sign that said spooky. I do. I do remember spooky. Well, guys, here is what we're going to do. We're going to talk Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. Hey. Okay. Don't, don't do it. Yes. <laughs> Although it's like Beetlegeist. Beetlegeese. Oh, yes. This movie is called Beetlejuice. And in the movie, his name is not spelt that way. And he's in about 15 minutes of an hour and a half movie. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. He's the he's the titular star here. Um, the, the title is actually spelled Beetlejuice, like Beetle. And then Juice, which is funny because that's how he he, does. Going? he makes him play charades to figure out his name. But uh, it's spelled like Beetlegeist, which is how we spell the giant red star. Which, of course, was named after him, not the other way around. Oh, really? Yes. But yes, um, this came out in 1988. It is Tim Burton. And uh, it's not going to be the last time you hear Tim Burton's name this month. <laughs> You're going to hear next week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we're going to talk about Gina Davis and Alec Baldwin, who look like teenagers in this movie. Which is funny because they weren't. <laughs> no, they weren't, but they really look like it. They were already uh, pretty weathered stars at the, at this point. <laughs> yes. They're, um, they're playing the Maitland couple. And... They've got this really nice country house that they spent all this time working on in this town called Winter River, Connecticut. And they're finally on vacation for like two weeks, and they're really excited. And all they're going to do is just sit around and make this house look good. That's yeah. like the whole thing. He's got like this model of the town up in the attic and... They're going to be doing all this work, and they've got their friend who keeps coming by and is trying to get them to sell it. Because it's too big. It's too big and all this other stuff. It and needs just... to go, the house should should be with a family so that could actually use it. And then, uh-oh, apparently they've been the Maitlands have been having trouble conceiving. Wah-wah. So then everything that this lady says comes off as rather douchic to them. <laughs> yeah, really. It's She is pretty... It's like, I know you mean well, but you're just... Everything you're saying is... Yeah, Jane... It's like, dude, just stop. You're really being bad right now. So they have to go to town, get some stuff and things. And by stuff and things, he means 
a new house model and some paint. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. So they hop in their old school Volvo wagon. Yep. Gina Davis drives. And they go through this really cool little covered bridge that was built specifically for this film. Um, I love how the barber is just sitting outside because he's got no customers and he starts having a conversation. And like, with tells him. like a whole story. Yeah, but, he, but Alec Baldwin just goes in the store, buys his stuff and comes out and he's still talking. I love it. It's like it's such an old country store that the freaking guy that owns the shop isn't even in there. Yet he just buys all the things. Yeah. Just, just leave the money on the counter. Hey, didn't we just review a movie last week where somebody did that? <laughs> oh, man. Continuity, man. So they're driving back and this little puppy crosses the road. And they swerve to avoid it and they crash through the side of the covered bridge. And the puppy's standing on the plank that's preventing them from falling. He jumps off and their car plummets Dog into the... dick. The, the car plummets into the pretty shallow water. Yeah, I'm just like, this is a completely survivable situation. That's what I think everybody feels about this scene. Because they die. Well, now they're home, but they can't really remember how they got home. And there's all kinds of weird stuff, like they don't have any reflection in the mirror. Um, they can't go outside, or else there's this re- weird world with big sandworms. And even though you're gone for... 30 seconds you're actually gone for two hours and then they find a handbook called the handbook for the recently deceased that just kind of appeared out of nowhere and just like huh whatever also they're on, the sandworms are on saturn yes it's on saturn yes <clears throat> and we learned that attacks are up 13 percent this year yeah. <laughs> um so now they're, they're kind of realizing that they're kind of trapped in their home and their house is being disrupted because it got sold. Because pretty much like Jane comes and he's, she's like in funeral clothes looking at the house. And then the next thing you know, the house gets sold. It's like, man, you really do suck. <laughs> and who buys the house? Edward Rooney and Kevin McAllister's mother. Yep. <laughs> they're the Dietzes. And they're these he's. This big former real estate developer from Manhattan, he's getting out to the country. He just wants to relax in a non-city environment. And his wife is this sculptor who makes horrible sculptures that don't look like anything but are apparently really sophisticated art, which perfectly explains my understanding of art. I'm like, these look terrible. It's like, nope, they're apparently a big deal. But, But apparently they're not, we later learn. Yes, and uh, she is the stepmother to Jeffrey Jones's daughter, Winona Ryder, Lydia, who is gothic, or kind of wannabe gothic, and a photographer. That's like her thing. Yes. So now they want to turn this house into tasteless modern art type home, and they've got this guy. Well, named- she does. Yeah, she does. He just wants to relax, and Lydia just doesn't give a shit. <laughs> Uh, Otho, big fat guy, he's, uh, he's this interior designer and they are going nuts trying to transform this place. And you can tell it's going to be hideous. They're going to have all kinds of terrible colors and they're going to do this and they're going to tear down this wall. It's going to get totally Tim Burton up in here. Yes. 
Yes. Um, so the Maitlands are like, what do we do? So they're contacting this manual and they're realizing, oh, we can we can scare them and haunt them out. <laughs> it's just horrible failures because no one can see them. Like, I like how she's just hanging in the closet. He just moves her aside like she's a regular dress. <laughs> and then, like, she's got Alec Baldwin's head and she's holding a knife and that doesn't work. It's just like, oh, well, this is because the living won't see you. Yes. So, what are we going to do? Well, according to the manual, we'll just draw a draw door. A door. <laughs> <laughs> so, they draw a door, and they realize now they're in the waiting room. They're populated by all these people, and you can tell how they died. There's, like, the magician's assistant who's cut in half, and she's sitting in two separate parts of the couch. Yeah. What but, I love is, the is like, the African hunter. Yeah, with the, the shrunken cat, head. The shrunken head, and then there's the... Uh, and then next to him, like like a seat or two away, is is the tribesman that did it to him because he got yep. shot by him. Yep, it's the guy who choked on the chicken bone. Oh, and it's stuck in his throat the whole time. <laughs> uh, there's a the smoking um, guy that died in a fire, apparently. Yeah, yeah, he's just a big black skeleton. He's like, yeah, I'm trying to cut back. Oh, and my favorite thing is is you, you like you notice it because like the girl at the desk shows that she slit her wrist and that's how she died but then later there's like a joke that says i hear that if you if you kill yourself you you become a civil servant in the afterlife yep because like all the guys that are working there's like the guy who killed himself by getting hit by a bus and he's just big and flat on a tire track there's a guy who hung himself who's just moving up and down like this conveyor belt still on his noose so what they have to do is they have to meet their caseworker, right? Their case, yeah, they have a caseworker. And worker. she's in the sixth door on the right. <laughs> and Sylvia Sidney playing Juno, their caseworker. And she's just like, really? Well, you only get like three attempts. Like, you can only get help three times. So. Yeah, and you're, you're supposed to be in the house for 125 years. So you got to scare them away yourself. And before they get this, they see this weird infomercial about this guy named Beetle Geist, and they don't know. And they're just like, well, what about him? They're like, no, you don't want him. Like, don't do it. Don't yeah, do it. Like, he's like her former assistant, and he's just. He went solo, and he goes overboard. Yeah. He's a freelance bioexorcist. <laughs> and he's, he gets into all kinds of trouble. So they're like, all right, well, we'll just try to scare them away. And they're. Uh, that Lydia can see them like she spots them in the attic and then like they have to like hang out the window to avoid them when they get up to the attic but my favorite part is how they're trying to scare them by putting sheets on with holes cut out for the eyes but they can't scare anybody because Adelia took Valium she had a date with the guy from Spaceballs, and now she's out. And then, like, the freaking, the father just thinks it's Lydia, yucking it up. Yeah. Uh, just knock it off. Those are your mother's good sheets. But uh, Lydia can see them, and she takes pictures of them when there's no feet. So she's like, oh, my God, you totally are ghosts. And then she befriends them because, you know, she's weird. Because she can't see them. Yes. But you you can see us? Of course, you're not John Cena! <laughs> Sorry, guys. So, everything is just ridiculous right now. And they really want these guys out. 
Juno's not helping them, so they decide it's time to contact the guy that they saw in the ad. And I like how to get him to contact, he has to, like, they can't figure out how to pronounce his name, so he plays charades, makes, like, a giant beetle appear, and then... Oh, that's when he's talking to Lydia, right? Oh, yeah. Because they, find... they learn how to pronounce it because freaking... Uh... What? No, no one said... Did they do it by accident? Because remember, he's like, maybe we should talk to that beetle Meyer guy. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but first, they, yeah, they say his name three times, and they get sucked into the... Uh, yeah, they're in the model. The model town. But they had to, like, dig him out. Yeah. Like, cardboard <laughs> and, like, the, the fake grass. Oh, the, the bumpily, as we used to call it. Yeah. And, uh... Well, Michael Keaton's here as Beetlejuice, who improved the majority of his lines in the movie, which not should be pretty obvious. Yeah, no, it's really not. So he's like, "Yeah, I'll, I'll help you out." And he's, he's, he's they're asking like, "Oh, just cheap parlor tricks? That's not going to work." Can you do this? And he makes like a scary face that we don't see, <laughs> even though they spent the money to make the effect and just never showed it. Just showed it from behind. Yeah. So, uh, this whole time, um, they start, they're, they're actually buying into the ghosts being in the house and Jeffrey Jones and Catherine O'Hara really want to like meet these ghosts and do stuff with them. And I'm really creeped out at how much Jeffrey Jones reminds me of Walter Peck from Ghostbusters because of the way he's creepy. Yeah. <clears throat> but this comes the part that apparently scared me when I was a young child. Which part was that? A banana boat song. Oh yeah, really? They, like, apparently, I was like two or something. So. Oh well, there's like the creepy scene where like all the hands come out and grab their faces. That could be scary. Or what yeah. about this? What about the snake scene where the railing turns into him as a big snake? Yeah. So they all just like get possessed and they start singing and yeah. dancing the banana boat song. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, his. Boss- I love the celebrity involvement because like Dick Cavett's in that scene. Yeah. I, I love that Robert Goulet is his boss. Is his old boss, yeah. Yeah. Because they, well, he's so fascinated by this that he wants to, he's like, yeah, and you know, there's so much money to be made if you can prove these ghosts are here. So they come to dinner. And then, of course, Otho finds the the handbook for the recently deceased, so he starts fucking with them. Oh, yeah, he's going to, like, bring them back. Yeah. And meanwhile, Beetlejuice is stuck in the in the model, and that's why he's trying to convince Lydia to get him out. And if you do this, uh, you got to marry me because I want out. So she agrees to it because he has to like get married and then get buried again, or something. I don't know. Yeah, something like that. But they're doing a seance so they can summon Adam and Barbara, which pretty much kills them because they just start like decaying like crazy. Which is like it's kind of creepy and sad at first, and then Adam's jaw falls off, and I started laughing really hard. Because she, like, tries to put it back on. I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to feel sad right now, but I'm actually laughing pretty hard. So, yeah, yes, but he, um, he, he saves them. He disposes of these, of these people. (laughs) With the the test your strength thing. (laughs) He often sends them through the roof. He makes a big carnival. 
And then it's time. Now he's going to marry Lydia, but she doesn't. She's like trying to fight this. And it's like one of those really awkward wedding ceremonies where there it's so obvious that she's going to get saved because they're horribly delaying everything. Well, everyone's trying to say Beetlejuice, but he keeps on like covering their mouths and knocking yeah. them over. I say because if you say his name, you'll get him away from the situation. So you like he like zippers up. Barbara's mouth, then he puts like a steel plate on it. So she ends up, uh, she ends up outside and rides in a sandworm to save the day, which is freaking hilarious. Because he hates the sandworms even more than than your usual dead person would. Yep. And uh, the Dietzes and Maitlands live happily ever after in harmony. But Beetlejuice goes to the reception area and pisses off the witch doctor that we saw before. Oh, because he's like number three billion or something. Yeah, and they're only serving number two, and the witch doctor's number four. So he uh, he switches his number, and then he shrinks his head. But at the end, he thinks maybe maybe he'll look good that way. Yes. Oh, man. This This is a really fun movie. Um, it was originally going to be a hell of a lot darker. In fact, Tim Burton really wrote it to be a horror movie. Uh, Lydia was going to have, like, a six-year-old sister and be a minor character, and he was going to try to rape Lydia and, like, kill this, kill the six-year-old. Um, I forgot how. Oh, yeah, it was like a rabbit squirrel was going to maul her. And, there, and he was going to be a Middle Eastern man when he interacted with the Maitlands and the Dietzes. But uh, they were like, no, that's n- not really going to work. And he was also going to be a winged reptilian demon. That was the other thing. So he, uh, they rewrote the script a couple of times, and he became it became a family family comedy. And he's a wisecracking con artist. So, I mean, you know, changes. <laughs> As Dan pointed out, uh, Michael Keaton's not in this movie for long. In fact, he's in it for exactly 17 and a half minutes. Oh, okay. But even so, it's Michael Keaton's favorite film of his own. Um, he probably to, had a blast. Playing, oh, yeah. Doing it. You, you could tell everybody was having a blast on this movie. It's a fun movie. That's what's so good about it. Um, so Tim Burton described it to Michael Keaton. He's like, Beetlejuice is a guy who's lived in every time period, but also no time period. So he's just like, okay. So he gave him the shock hair, do mold makeup and large teeth. And when he showed up on set in character, the crew was chanting juice, juice, juice. So he got really excited about that. And of course, that led to a lot of improvisation. Not a bad thing. So we talked about how in the waiting room, you can tell how everybody died. Well, the Maitlands drowned, but... They were deliberately never made to be wet because if they were, Tim Burton was like, no, that's going to make them really uncomfortable. So screw it. <laughs> they were wet all the time. Yeah. Uh, that would be pretty annoying. Um, Glenn Shaddix, who plays Otho, when he died in September 2010, the last song that they performed at his memorial service was, in fact, the Banana Boat song. <laughs> I love how he gets him to leave. He, he changes his outfit to something ugly, so he runs away. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I had this stat backwards. Beetlejuice was named after the Red Star, not the other. I, I'm i sorry. That's my fault. I said that earlier, that it was actually the opposite direction. No, Beetlejuice was named after the Orion Star. But the studio didn't like that title. They wanted to call it House Ghosts. <laughs> and Tim, 
So Tim Burton's like, well, why don't we call it Scared Sheetless? And he was horrified because the studio was actually considering it. He's like, no, that was a joke. Stop. Um, why is Lydia's wedding dress bright red? Because married in red, better off dead. Um, before Michael Keaton was even cast as Beetlejuice, they had an animatronic snake that bore no resemblance to him, but they used a stop-motion snake instead to make it look more like him so they didn't think it was just some random monster, so you would know it was him. Yeah, it's this stripe that has his, has his face-ish. Yes. Um, they, according to Dick Cavett, they actually tried um, the, the, shrimp, the shrimp scene, like, throwing it at them. But it really wasn't working off, so Cavett was like, well, why don't we just place the shrimp on our faces, and then you film them as they fall off, and we'll do it in reverse. And that's exactly what they did. So, a couple of little fun facts about Beetlejuice. Of course, there's a couple of uh, director trademarks in here. Tim Burton loves to have distorted female faces. Uh, the music is by Danny Elfman. Tim Burton always uses dogs in some capacity. Stop motion animation. And, of course, infomercials. I think he pretty much hit all of them. Yeah. And uh, there, was one, there was one more really fun stat I wanted to write about. It was about, uh, oh, um, when he appears as like the uh, merry-go-round Jack Skellington's skull is on his head, and that was the skull that they used for Nightmare Before Christmas, which, since that was my last stat, why don't we tell them what we're reviewing next week, Dan? Uh, not the Nightmare Before Christmas? Oh, yeah. Sorry, guys. No, we're totally doing Nightmare Before Christmas. Fucking but swerve! O- <laughs> but only the first 20 minutes. <laughs> we'll, we'll review the rest of it in December. And yes, everybody's like, well, do you watch this in December? Or do you watch it in October? And I always watch it in both months. I watch it once in October, and I watch it again in December. Always. That's how it's always been, and that's how it always will be, guys. So we're going from Tim Burton to Tim Burton. But, yes, there's another week in October. We are not reviewing anything Halloween-y that week. Why? Because Spectre's coming out, and we're going to cover the Daniel Craig Bond films. We're going to do Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace as a double feature, because they're pretty much a two-parter. And then we're going to do Skyfall as a standalone, which is, like, so friggin' good. It's going to be his last Bond movie. He's contracted to five, so he has to do one more. Even though, according to him, he'd rather slit his wrist than do another Bond movie. Oh, he's going to breathe. Yeah, he's contracted for five Bond films. I don't know how he's getting out of this. I say he just sucks it up and does the last one. And it's like, all right, well, then you're done, dude. You got one more left on your contract. Suck it up. Do it. Jeez. Which disappoints me because I really, really like him as Bond. But that's all right. We're getting a black Bond next. I got to imagine it's got to be pretty rough, especially with, like, how they do it all within a year. Yeah. Like, every Bond film is, is like, we started filming in February. It'll be out in November. And you're like, holy shit, how are they doing that? Because they use so many practical effects instead of CGI. Because they do it. They they just do it, man. They just do it. But Batista's going to be in it. 
But we'll talk about that when time comes. Yeah, so yeah, guys, um, enjoy Beetlejuice. Enjoy Nightmare Before Christmas next week. And you got no excuses because that's a Netflix movie. And after that, guys, well, you know what happens then. 007 time. Until then, I'm Chris. That's Dan. I guess we'll see you next week. Bye.